This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. On today's episode, I sit down with Kayla Moran, the host of the Let's Get Candid podcast. Kayla opens up about her relationship and intimacy trauma, her relationship with sex and her body, and how her childhood and her relationship with her mother impacted her dating life. Seeing Other People Unfiltered is presented by Mindset Wellness CBD. Their happy gummies and their calm gummies cured my dating anxiety, and I am so grateful. You should try them. You need to try them. Don't take my word for it. See for yourself. Head to MindsetWellness.com, fill up your cart with those happy gummies to take before a date and the calm gummies to take after a date, and use code Seeing Other People at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. So I'm Kayla. I'm the host of the Let's Get Candid podcast and actually just had Alana on my podcast. So be sure to go check that out. But I'm here to talk about just 
dating and relationships and how our childhood really affects that. It's something I've really been working on in therapy lately is just healing my relationship with myself and my body and intimacy issues. And, you know, now that I'm 24 going on 25 and in, you know, the dating world, and I want to one day be able to meet someone and have a healthy relationship, there's a lot of work I need to do to get there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for coming on. I know these are not easy topics to talk about, but it is great to hear that that's something that you're actively working on in therapy, because I feel like we all have things like this that we that have impacted us or things we don't even know impacted us. And it really does take like sometimes like going to therapy and, and really like spending months, years, like working through some things. And so I guess my first question is like, how did this stuff come up for you in therapy? Like, did you know, like, you want to go to therapy to, to deal with this stuff? Or did you go to therapy? And then it, there was like a moment where I was like, Oh, this is something I need to deal with. Yeah. So I've been in therapy since I was 12 on and off. Um, I struggled with depression and anxiety since middle school. But this is something that has been a recent development um, in the last two ish, two or so years that I've been working on this because it kind of, I used, the reason I've been in therapy for so long is because I just, I didn't want to be, so I didn't allow it to work. And it wasn't until I came to law school and at the end of college, I had been in a really toxic relationship. And it wasn't until I started dating one of my classmates in the beginning of law school that I realized like, whoa, there's a lot of trauma here. I need to, like, I I I can't be in a relationship right now. And he told me, and he's one of my best friends to this day. I'm forever grateful for him. But several people have told me like, you would benefit from therapy. You should do these things. Like you should do all of this. And I was like, no, like I've been in therapy. It doesn't work. I hate therapy, blah, blah, blah. I was, even though I had done it, I was against it because, and we can talk about this later, but like growing up being Hispanic, other minority communities, I'm sure can relate. Like mental health isn't talked about. They don't understand it what is therapy? You don't go to therapy unless you're crazy or something's wrong. And I didn't, I know I'm not crazy, but something was wrong, but like, I didn't know what. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until this guy, love him, was like, I love you. You are a great girl. You need help. You need therapy. And that set off a, like, literally self-discovery period of my life. My mom and I had a bunch of breakthroughs and you know, my relationships with my friends and family and people I was seeing, my roommate, like just so much, my life completely did a 180 twice in the last two years. Like, so, but like, I don't want even, it's not even, it's not like a 360, like I'm a better, it was like two different 180s, like two different cycles of just self-development and evolving. Um, but yeah, really it kicked it off at the beginning of law school when he told me like, I love you, but like you need therapy. And like, I can't be with someone who, like, has all of these things. I was like, okay, there's something there. Like, I I do want to work on this. And I finally was like, all right, I'm going to go get help. What were some of those things that you were experiencing with this guy as a result of that, like, previous toxic relationship? Uh, like, what were some of the things where, like, things would happen or things would be said that would trigger you? So me and him only really talked for like a couple weeks. So there was nothing really in there, but just when someone gives me attention, like a guy specifically gave me attention, I clung on to it. 
And like not in a stage five clinger kind of way. It was more so like I needed the emotional support. I grew up not really having an emotional support system. And I just, all I wanted was someone who I could talk to, someone who would be there for me to listen. And I thought, you know, I'm seeing someone like that's that person for me. And every time that I would start seeing someone new, like I really just, I wanted to talk to them all the time because I had no one else to talk to. And that's really unhealthy that like you only want to talk to this one person. And like all I was talking about was negative. Like the first whole first year of law school, everything that came out of my mouth was like negative. I was complaining. I was talking about how bad my day was. Like, I didn't know how to see like the good in things, the good in people, the like little moments that were fun or healthy. You're like, oh my God, this, the sun is out today. It was cold yesterday. Now it's sunny and 65. Like I was so negative. It's still cold. Like I want, you know, like just I hadn't reframed yet. So it was like little things like that. I just... I guess I was kind of codependent, but like, I don't think, like, I wasn't ever dating this person. I never dated anyone. So it wasn't like I was like, I didn't depend on them for my life, but like, I, I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to feel wanted. I wanted to feel like I belonged and like people my age date and have relationships. Like that's kind of what it was. It, it was like that kind of unhealthy thing. And then I stopped seeing him we transitioned to become friends. And then a couple months later, I met a guy who I was in a 10 month situationship with. And that's where obviously like sex and intimacy kind of starts coming in. And I realized like, I'm not ready to have sex yet. I can't have sex with you. I don't want to have sex with you because I have trauma around sex and intimacy that I need to work on too. So it was like kind of twofold. And again, I, I think I'm grateful for both of them. Like, I'm grateful for any relationship, good or bad, because they taught me something about myself. And these two in particular really shaped me and my self-discovery and realizing, like, there is things I do need to work on. And I actually now I want to work on them. Yeah, that's I mean, that's the biggest thing that we all need at that. What you just said at the end is like, we can realize that there are things we need to work on. And like you said, like you were in therapy for years, but you never actually wanted to work on them. You never wanted to explore and, and figure those things out about yourself. And, and I can understand that sometimes it's really scary. It can be really scary to realize, Oh, like, and not to say like, there's something wrong with someone, but like, like for someone to realize like, Oh, there might be something wrong with me. There's something like, I don't understand why I feel this way. Or, Oh my God, like this thing feels like really bad or everything sucks right now. Like I feel really depressed, but why? And, and the why behind it can be really scary and working through that can be daunting. I mean, I think a, a big thing that I've struggled with is like, I've actually, I've gone to therapy for a few years now, but I've wanted to try a different therapist because, you know, I, I really like my therapist, but I took the first person that would take me in like a really desperate moment of like, I need help. And so I never really got to find the right therapist for me. And so I've tried like starting over with others. And for me, that's been really difficult because it's like the first three sessions, you're just like reliving all of these things, like all of this trauma that you've been through. And it's so exhausting. You have to like pour your heart out and re-experience these things basically. And, and so that's really been really difficult for me where it's like, I finally, am, I'm trying with someone else again later this month, but I'm like, Oh, like it's so it's hard taken a while for me to get myself to do that. It's so hard. And it is, you're reliving all of those things, but I've had to change therapists multiple times and I think it's important to 
to change therapists when you recognize like this one isn't helping anymore. And it's also okay to take breaks. Like there have been periods where I didn't need to go to therapy. Like I was in therapy my first year of law school starting October. And then I took a couple months off and then I started again, like in like March, April. Like I, I no, like, no, I took off that spring semester once I graduated or once she graduated because my therapist was like a student therapist mm-hmm. through the school for free. Then I got one in the summer and then I stopped in like July, August, and I didn't start again until late November. And now I've been with that person. So I've had three therapists in the last two and a half years. And I I, I stopped going to like the first one I stopped going to because she graduated. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to take a little break until I find someone new because I do still want to keep going to therapy. I had that girl for a while and I really liked her, but then it got to a point where I didn't feel comfortable going to her anymore because what I needed help with, she couldn't help me with. That wasn't her. She didn't have the the expertise for it. So I was like, I'm going to take another little break. And then now I'm seeing someone else. And so it's okay to take breaks. It's okay to find different people, but it is really hard to start over it is. It's so difficult. And like my new therapist, every time we talk, it's like, oh, I forgot that I haven't told you this story yet. But like, so then like the right. whole episode is really just a story instead of like therapy. But sometimes it's, that's nice because reliving those stories, like you learn something new and realize, oh, I have worked through that part. Um, but I think for me, a lot of the reason why I kept having to change therapists and kept stopping therapy and starting therapy was I felt ashamed of being in therapy because of that you know cultural like no you don't go to therapy you don't need therapy what is that my parents weren't really supportive and they're supportive now but my mom will never go to therapy will never get help doesn't not that she doesn't believe in it she sees the value in it for me but she's like I don't need that for myself which harms me because a lot of my issues relate to my relationship with my mom and she's a great mom not gonna like it's not that it's just you know, the cultural, I grew up in a Hispanic household. I grew up between two different worlds and, you know, seeing the way my friends at school were being treated by their parents. And like, that's not how my mom and I are. That's not the relationship I have. And I wanted that. And I wanted my mom to be this, not step for wife, but like I had a vision in my head of what my mom should be like. And that wasn't the mom that I had. And I really struggled with that. And I still do. And my, my therapist is like, you need to just accept that your mom isn't the mom you want her to be, but she's the mom you got. And like, she's a great mom and that's okay. And like, you just need to move past it. And it's something I'm struggling with, but the whole intimacy and like sex and relationships part of it is stems from that too. I was very ashamed of sex. And I think a lot of us are, um, you know, I didn't tell my, so actually really weird, but like I told my dad first, which is wild. I know, but like my dad and I are just, we're really good friends. I, he's the one I can always go to before I go to my mom. Eventually, she'll. Uh, I tell my mom pretty much everything eventually, but she's not the initial person I go to for like the big stuff. Um, usually, it's my dad. And so, a couple months after I had sex for the first time, you know, I told my dad and I told him like, "Please don't tell mom." And eventually, she did find out. And it wasn't my dad who told her. I don't know how she ended up finding out. Maybe she heard me talking about it or saw someone text mm-hmm. I don't know she never went through my phone but like you know I leave my shit laying around who knows she found out and she called me a slut and she said that I was dirty and like when I was 16 I would never have had sex which is total bullshit because my parents were together since they were 15 years old so like 
clearly they were. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I found out when I was 20, 21 that they had had sex when she was 16. And I was like, you fucking bitch. Like, you made me feel all of this. Like, I still carry shame and guilt from that conversation at 24 years old. And I was so angry when I found out. Obviously, like, looking back, like, I knew, like, duh, she's lying. But, like, at 16, I don't know that. And so that's something that, like, I'm really struggling to forgive my mom for and accept. But that is where that relationship with intimacy and that it's ashamed of the fact that I do have a sexual history that I'm not proud of. And I wish I could change, but I can't. And it stems from being really insecure and not feeling confident and struggling to connect with my mom like other girls around me were connecting with their moms and other girls I didn't have that Mm -hmm. I've never been one to have female friends I didn't have girls I could go to I didn't feel like I could go to my mom so I was doing things and I was hiding it I was doing things and you know I felt guilty I felt ashamed because no one knew and I think if I had had an emotional support system a lot sooner things would be very very different but that that's kind of where it all stemmed from for me Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't imagine going through that. And it's amazing that you've been able to process so much of it and realize what things maybe shouldn't have been said or what things impacted you in certain ways. Because yeah, I think in terms of like dealing with it and moving forward, understanding it and, and thinking about it from every angle and realizing how it impacted you is like the most important thing you could do. I guess my question is like now as a 24 year old, like in your dating life, how has this impacted you? (laughs) So I haven't had sex in two years going on three. And before that I had sex the year before that, like a whole year. And so, and both of those times should not have happened. Like I, I won't, I won't go on the record and say I regret it, but like, I would rather have not had done that, but it was, so I say that it's a relapse. So, you know, there is such a thing called sex and love addiction. Like there is like how there is Alcoholics Anonymous, there's SLAA, like there's other programs that you could do. And I think I got very lucky that I, my depression and anxiety, I didn't know I had anxiety until college, but my depression, I coped with sex. I coped because again, I thought sex meant love. I wanted to feel wanted. I wanted to feel connected. I wanted to have someone support me the way I wasn't feeling supported at home. And I'm going to go on the record and say, my parents are great. They are great support systems financially and like, you know, in my life and like college and all of that. They've put me through college. They support me in law school, although I'm financially independent now. They're great but they were not super emotionally supportive because they didn't know how to be. They didn't have that growing up. Their parents weren't that generational, you know, stuff. They're Hispanic. They're not from this country. I'm the firstborn. Like it's just the cultural shift as well. And like the generation shift, but they are great. But so I just didn't have an emotional support system. And I wanted, I got it from a guy. That's where I went. And I thought sex meant love. And it wasn't until I remember one day I woke up. It had I started having sex at 16. I had sex with a lot of people that none of them were one night stands. Like I knew all of them. I was friends with them. Or like they were my coworkers or I had met them on a trip or whatever. But it wasn't. And a lot of them were like 
people I had slept with multiple times, like friends with benefits type situations. And in college, I remember I was like 20 and 19 or 20. And I remember I went home with this guy from a St. Patrick's Day party. Ironically, it was St. Patrick's Day week. Um, I went home with him and I had slept with him several times in college. Like since like he was the, like for the last two and a half years, I've been on and off several times. I know this person really, really well. And midway through, I come, I guess I came to, I think I, I wasn't drunk, but I think I like legit blacked out. And I've realized now growing up, there's a lot of periods in my life where I just have the memories like blocked. Like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. happened and my childhood can't remember. And I remember little things every once in a while. I was talking about this Alana earlier, like in the shower, like I'll have memories unlock and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And that's a trauma response. Now I know that, but I it's like we unlocked a level that we didn't want to unlock. Like, go back to being locked. <laughs> yeah, <honey>. go away. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I woke, I literally came to midway through sex and I was like, I don't want to be here. Does this mean this is rape? And I was like, catatonic. I full on was just not participating. I was just a body. And I don't know if he ever noticed. He never said anything. I pretty much just like left afterwards. Um tried to run away and I we've never we've talked since like him and I as friends like you know happy birthday congrats on graduation because we both went to master get our masters and blah 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 we're never going to talk about that um and I I would never tell him that's how I felt or what I thought mm-hmm. like I'm not going to put that on him that's you know I I consented at at first yeah. and then I just what realized like what am I doing I don't want to be here I don't like this and I realized like I don't like sex And that was kind of like, I wish I would have known about SLAA a lot sooner. Maybe one day I will do something like that. I'm not sure, but I'm learning more about it as I listen to the Mad Happy podcast. Great resource, by the way. Um, But yeah, I, I just, so I stopped having sex. I made the conscious decision right then and there. Like, we're not doing this anymore until I'm in a relationship. And like, I am with someone that I feel comfortable and like safe with and who knows me and will support me through it because there's a reason some somewhere along the way I stopped I started hating this and I feel really gross and dirty while when I do this and like that's you know sex is supposed to be this really beautiful thing why is it that not for me so I I I realized something then and then I had another guy that I was on and off with really unhealthy relationship I didn't know but the whole time I was the other woman when we were home from school, we like would hook up, but he had a girlfriend at school and he made me out to be a fool. And we are fully like no longer like that other guy. Like if I saw him out, like, Hey, how are you? Let's have a drink. Like, you know, call homecoming in college. Like if I ever saw him, like things would be fine. This other person, like not gonna say I don't ever want to see him again. Cause that's not true. Like maybe one day we will ever, ever be able to be friends. We have a lot of mutual friends in common, but like this guy made me out to be a fool. And I, I allowed him to, because I knew at one point that he did have a girlfriend, but I did it anyway. I didn't realize several other times, but, um, again, I was self-destructing and I didn't realize it. I thought I used sex as a coping mechanism for my depression. I can truly say that. And so I relapsed with him. We were at a party and he was the only person that knew the extent of my relationship with my mom and that I, felt dirty and like after I had broken up with my boyfriend the first like the boy that I had first slept with like he helped he he helped me feel better again he put me back together basically 
you know, heal my broken heart. And then we slept together. So it was like an emotional response. And so it, it was just, it became a really toxic cycle for like three or four years. Um, like three, I think. And we finally, we had sex that one time and I was like, that was fun. It felt good. I actually enjoyed that, that time. Not going to lie. I did only person I've ever enjoyed sex with, but it was because I have an emotional connection. So I realized, okay, need an emotional connection to enjoy sex. But like, I feel dirty because I should not have done that. He has a girlfriend. Why did I do that? So right then and there, I was like, nope, can't do this anymore. Fast forward. I finally told him like, cause he was still trying to like, I want to be your friend when you move back. Maybe we can be in a relationship. Finally, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, like you have been lying to me this whole time. Like I want nothing to do with you. We can be friends or like nothing, but like just friends. Like this cannot happen anymore. Cause like I wanted to go home from the bar and like we, we both ended up out at the same time. We ended up together. We were dancing salsa. I love to dance. I'll dance with anyone. Doesn't mean anything to me, but he took it as like, Oh, like I'm going to get some. And I was like, this isn't no, like not happening. So yeah. Anyway, um, I realized there, and then I went on a cruise the first semester of law school, like right before COVID, like December, 2019, right before the world shut down. It was like my mm-hmm. last family vacation went on a cruise and I had known this, like that, that situation in December was a year before December, 2018, right after I had ended it, the really shitty toxic ex, I jumped into sex with this guy realized like I need emotional connection, but like, I don't like this. And so I didn't have sex for a whole year. I had dated my classmate that ended. We became really good friends. I started seeing the guy that I was in a 10 month situation with, but like told him like not having sex with him. He understood and he was okay with that. Um, which says a lot about him because he is love him to death. Ladies, man, like, mm-hmm. and I love him for it. It's hilarious. Now being like on the friend side, seeing it, it's so funny. But, like, I was impressed with him. And I think that's another reason why it lasted longer than it did. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Well, I mean, even that, just especially if you, like, now in hindsight, you know that you use sex as a coping mechanism and it you thought sex was love. I think now, I think it makes sense why you haven't had sex in two years, like, going on three. Because in figuring that out, you now know that, you like you said like you need that emotional connection in order to enjoy it but you also know that sex does not mean love and so it just having sex isn't going to get you what you actually truly want and it's going to put you back on this path of just like having sex to cope and having sex to have sex and in place of something else and so I think as as much as that was scary to figure out I do I mean it makes sense that now you're going to be more careful. And that's why it's like so awesome that this guy was down to not have sex. Because again, that's something that like, I know we had an episode recently where um, someone came on who's 27 and is a virgin. And like, for her, her struggle was like, need like having to tell people at some point, and them not accepting her for it, or them being like, okay, either like challenge accepted, or okay, bye. And I think it's one of those things where someone's reaction to it and how they're going to deal with it and how they're going to move forward with it or not really is so telling of who they are and what's in their heart. No, I, again, I think why it lasted a lot longer than it should have with that guy 10 months and why we're able to stay friends now. Like obviously like very like surface level, like friends from afar, like we still have chemistry. Like we both know, like we cannot, we still care about each other. We're not together because we 
don't want the same things and we don't want to live in the same place but like it's not that we're not attracted to each other and we don't care about each other so like very very surface level of friends but the reason it went on for so long and why we're able to be friends is because he genuinely does care and support me and like respects my decision don't get me wrong he he tried he asked I respected that he asked I was flattered but I made it very clear I was like you know you and I both know that we can't go there and like I want to doesn't mean I don't want to I'm 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 more a red-blooded female like of course I want to it's just but I know that it's not good for me because up here I'm not okay and um yeah it's scary to tell like I've recently started seeing some well not recently we're and it ended but like I was and I told you about this guy that dumped me on Christmas I uh (laughs) I was seeing this guy and it was the first time I'd really liked a guy since that other guy from law school and I told him a lot of the truth and I set boundaries and he was super responsive to them similar to the other guy and that was very attractive to me he didn't push me he understood and then a week later he ended it and and he tried to ghost me and I was like you can't send an anti-ghost text like this doesn't work like we hung out three times and we had a full-on deep conversation about boundaries and you were the one who said I we're seeing each other like exclusively we're exclusive and we're just gonna see where this goes like you don't go and you don't try to ghost text after that like that doesn't no yeah like so I went ballistic on him and he still like I spitefully freaking hope I run into him out one day when I move home because I like want to see his reaction to me because you don't fucking play that game we don't play that game here but that that initial response to like me sharing that was really refreshing and a lot of times like I'll be on dating apps I'm on the league and hinge like those are two dating apps I use But like it's, I'll be talking to a guy for a few weeks, like, you know, first few days on the app, then we move to phone, like voice notes and like FaceTimes. I'm a voice note and a FaceTime girl. Do you, wait, because this is something that people ask about, like from moving to text, but then like introducing either voice noting or or face noting. And how do, how does that start? How have you approached that? Just because I know that's like a really hot topic that people want to hear about. So, um, a lot of times like I, so I will say I want them to text me first. So I will give my number in the dating app. Like I'm the app. I don't care. But once we move mm-hmm. to like, I want to see like, cause I'll be like, Oh, like we're talking about it's like, Oh, by the way, like I'm gonna go eat dinner, but like maybe we can face them later. Here's my number. So then mm-hmm. they're like, all right, let me switch over to text. Like I will always try to swing it. Like where I'm like, I gotta go, but like text me later. Yeah. Um, and I like that. Like, here's my number. Maybe we could FaceTime later. Like, I think that's awesome. And I think that's bold. And I think that's, it's not too aggressive. It's not giving them like an ultimatum. It's not saying like, yeah, but I want them to be me or bus. No, like, like I want them to take the initiative. So sometimes yeah. they'll ask, Hey, what's your number? Or like, can we move to texting? I hate date talking on this app. And I'm like, perfect. Can't wait to text. Right. Like, I'd rather be on text too, because also 100%. like, I don't want to be out I'm on a dating app. Like I'd rather just be texting a guy. So yeah, I, that's kind of how I swing it. And then FaceTime, it's like, I'll usually be like, do you want to FaceTime tonight? I'll be home watching TV or, you know, I'll just voice note one day. Like instead of texting, I'll answer in a voice note. If it's like a question that like I'm going to have a lot to say, I'd rather right. just voice note. And then depending on how they respond, I know whether they liked it or not and then go from there. Um, so that's kind of how I swing that. But yeah, so 
I'll, I'll talk to a guy, couple guys for a while and then we'll get to like that voice note, FaceTime stage. Maybe we'll make it to a date. We might not even make it to a date, but usually if we FaceTime, like that's a date, like our first date is usually like a FaceTime date. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if I'm talking to them while I'm at school, but going to be meeting them when I'm home because I've done that a few times. Um, and like, we'll talk, like we'll FaceTime for an hour, talk on the phone for an hour. So like that will come up, like, you know, how many people do you go on dates with on this app? Or like, when was your last relationship? Like, I don't shy away from talking about those things. I want you to know that like, if we go out, even if we hit it off, like you are, we're not sleeping together anytime mm-hmm. soon. Um, so, I mean, it's not the first thing I say, but if the conversation how goes that way. How do you say that though, when you do mention that? It depends on how the conversation's going, to be honest. Um, with this guy that dumped me on Christmas and tried to ghost me. <laughs> I say dumped because, like, we were, like, we had agreed to be seeing each other. So, like, that's being dumped. Um, yes. A lot of my guy friends are, like, one of my, like, my guy best friend from law school that, like, ends up telling me, like, you need to go to therapy. He was, like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. But he's, like, that is not, he's not your ex. I'm, like, he's not my ex. I agree. But, like, he did dump me. Um, he's like, fine, fine. I'll give you that. Um, but how do I bring it up? It really just depends on the conversation and what we're already talking about. But usually it's like with him, it came up, I think on our date, like in person, we were hanging out the first night we went, which is, I don't recommend doing this and I wish I had it. And people do say like, don't do this like as a rule. And like, this is one rule I do agree with. Um, don't go on a date for more than like two hours. Our first date was like six hours long. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and I, and I think because our first two dates were literally, we saw each other two days in a row for like pretty much 24 hours in between two days. Like, I think that was a lot of, and we had the boundary talk the second night. I think it was just too much too fast. I will say that like, it was very too much too fast, but like it's, I still deserved a better explanation. Like you're a great girl, but like, I don't see this going anywhere. Like bye. No, (laughs) Um, but we talked in person, like we were talking and we were like, making out and watching tv whatever like watching a movie and I was like by the way like I'm not having sex with you tonight and he was like okay and 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 I think I don't know if he asked why or I was like it's not that I don't want to but like just letting you know like there's like I have some history with that and like I just I'd rather know that we are in like a serious thing or like going to be in a serious thing and like I know you better because I need an emotional connection so like I'll say it that way or, like, if they ask, and I'll frame it as, like, I just need an emotional connection. I want to know that this is, like, a secure thing. Um, but if it – I'll talk about it on FaceTime, too, or, like, on a – like, in texting. If, like, we've been texting for a while and, like, that it just comes up, like, you know, sometimes, like, you know, sexting starts and, like, that kind of thing. Like, I'll sex, but then it gets to a certain point and we're talking about, like, other things. I'm like, uh, no, not happening yeah. anytime soon. But don't get me wrong. Like, I – like – I'm very adventurous and I like trying things, but like, I have to be comfortable with you. And that's why I say like, I use sex as a coping mechanism and I started hating and resenting sex because I didn't like how it made me feel up here. And I get very Mm -hmm. much in my head. And so it's like, I can talk about it all day long. I want to talk about it. I want to try all these things. I'm very adventurous. Like I like exploring sex and intimacy I can talk about it all day long, but when I'm in the moment, if I'm not comfortable, if it's not the right person, like I start overthinking it. So I need to be with someone who knows me well enough, again, that emotional connection to be like, hey, are you okay? Like we can stop. Like 
are you in your head like how can I help you get out of there like let's go switch to watching a movie like we don't have to do this that is what I mean by I need that and I haven't found that person yet but so I've I'm, I'm still dating I'm still on dating apps I'll still go on dates and meet people I think I might have a date tomorrow actually not 100% sure mm. um we'll report back but like I just I'm very conscious of when it comes to like that where we're like all right like is this dating like we've been dating for like three four dates now like about a month are we gonna go to the next step then I will have that conversation because if you don't see it going that route when we are not that this isn't gonna work out I'm not a friends with benefits kind of girl I tried that in college and I, I mean I did it successfully because I was not doing it for the right reasons but like I want a relationship I want to spend I want to build a life with someone I want someone to add to my life because I have a lot going on I'm very ambitious I have a lot of goals I need someone who's gonna support me I don't want to be wasting my time with someone who's not going to get me give me something that I want share my life with me like that kind of thing but you know it's funny like how it comes up it definitely it's totally depends on like how the conversation's going and their response definitely I do take that into account and it does a lot totally because well here's the thing is also if they do respond again like we said before like if they don't respond well to it then you know like you're dodging a bullet then you know okay this was never going to work out but I also think there's so much in this case and in similar cases like this where if they respond well to it if they're like of course like no pressure like take all the time you need like let me know how I can make you feel comfortable like that actually helps that helps you feel like you can start to trust them more. They're now earning your trust. They're now giving you a reason to actually feel comfortable rather than just assuming like, okay, I think I can like be myself and feel comfortable around this person. They're saying, no, like I actually truly like understand and, and or want to understand and, and value you and respect you. And so that opens up a lot more of your ability to be comfortable with someone. That's something that I learned actually. Like I never understood the difference between like being exclusive and being in a relationship until um Jake asked me to be exclusive and I didn't yet feel ready to be in a relationship I didn't feel like we had like known each other well enough yet but I was like yeah like exclusive makes sense like I'm not going on other dates but in him asking me to be exclusive that just confirmed for me like okay this guy is serious about this. I can trust him. And now I feel more comfortable and more empowered to open up and to go deeper and be more vulnerable. And so even though I know some people get really afraid to have that conversation, so do I, I'm sure. So do you sometimes it's, yeah. I mean, I think it's important to know that I didn't have that conversation. I am not the like gonna, I'm not the girl that's gonna be like, so what are we? I'm not going to ask. And I think we, you shouldn't. I also don't think the guy needs to ask you to be his girlfriend. We're not 12 on the playground. We're 24 Mm. years old. Like you just have like the way that this guy did it ultimately ended up not working out. But he, I think that was a great approach. We were hanging out and we were like, he asked me like, so when I got it, we're not going to sleep together for a while. Like got all of these things. Perfect. Where do you see this going? Like, what do you, what are you looking for? He asked me and I was like, I want to be in a relationship I want to be like have a life partner a companion someone I can share my life with I'm I'm looking for a relationship and I said I'm looking for like not I want to be in a relationship with you is I'm looking for a relationship I answered the question the way he asked it I didn't try to like make it something it wasn't and he was like okay so 
not going to define the relationship, but like, so we're seeing each other exclusively. Like we're going to see where this goes and go from there. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, pretty much. That's where we're at. Because I'm was, this was December. I'm moving home in five months in May. And at this point now it's two months, but I was moving home in five months. So like we're exclusive for those five months. And then the idea was that when I moved home, like we were going to be in a relationship, like when I'm actually not long distance anymore. That was, that was, and we knew that, like, that was where that conversation kind of went. So like that point I was like, this is not, you can't anti ghost text me. Like this is bullshit. Like we were in a, we were seeing each other. We were at least seeing each other. That is we're dating. We went on one more date after that. You don't know. So Yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, don't ask like the, what are we like define the relationship? Like, don't be that girl, but just, you know, let them know what you're, what you're looking for. Um, yeah. I, I think in general saying like, what are we, isn't the right approach at all. I think having, there should be co- that conversation. That conversation should happen in some form, but it should be more of like a, here's how I'm feeling and where I see this going and what I feel excited about. What about you? How are you feeling? And then it just kind of unfolds way more naturally. And it's actual communication instead of saying, what are we, what is this? Yeah. No. Um, and it just, again, I, yeah. the way that they approach it. And it's the same thing with me sharing my that I'm not going to sleep with them anytime soon and that I do struggle with you know intimacy and like I need an emotional connection to be able to go there because I do get in my head and I'll be honest I'll tell them like if we were to have sex right now again not that I don't want to but I know that I'm going to get in my head and I'm not going to enjoy it it like I'm going to tense up and you're going to feel it and it's just not going to be enjoyable for either of us so like why are we going to do that I make that very very clear and how they respond to that is very very telling in like are they just hoping that they're gonna sleep with me and then let it let me go or they just want it to be like a hookup situation or even an extended hookup situation like that's not what I'm looking for so I kind of use it as like both testing the waters like seeing like how responsive they're gonna be but also it it tells me what they're looking for without having to have that like what are we conversation um yeah and I just haven't found the person yet you know, he, that one guy in December was the closest to finding that. And it ultimately didn't work out. And Hey, like no harm, no foul that you didn't want to do that anymore. I just think the way he approached ending it was wrong. And like, that's why I want to be spiteful and see him like, not for any other reason. Like we ultimately would not have worked out long-term anyway. I now know that there was a lot of things that, but like, I at least was willing to try and like date to find that out, not be tried to be ghosted. Um, I haven't hasn't happened since like with anyone but as I'm going to be moving home and like dating in the wild now and like actually meeting people in real life like we'll see how it goes but I want to and then what I'm working on in therapy right now is my therapist literally was like I want you by our next session and it didn't happen because I like school got in the way she's like I want you to like set the mood and like try to enjoy sex like with yourself like have like do all of these things and it's like I have all the tools. I know what to do. I just can't get out of my head long enough to enjoy it because there's so much shame and guilt around it from my childhood and from knowing that I use sex as a coping mechanism. And that is what I'm working on in therapy. That is the part that I'm trying to heal of like, it's okay that I didn't have a good relationship with sex. Let's shift that mindset. And I I still think I'm going to be the type of person that I won't fully heal until I meet someone that I don't have to 
I don't feel guilty or ashamed with and who supports me in that journey. I think I think I need to like I ripped off the bandaid by opening the conversation in therapy and realizing like, okay, like now I like I know that I, I put a name a face to the name, you know, like I or a name to the face, like I said, like this is the issue. That has helped. Now I need to like actually like, go out into the we- real world and like try. And that's the scary part because not everyone's going to be receptive, but I'd rather be like, I don't care if guys know that about me. Like, what are they going to do? Use it against me? Like, no. How? Like, fun fact yeah. someone did try to do that, AKA the toxic relationship in college. And like, he did, he did spread rumors about me, but like, you know what? Can't be worse than that guy. So like, I don't care if you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, be careful who you tell things to and how you say. It. Like, I don't say names. I don't say like, I'm I'm very strategic with how I say it and how I word it but like I'm open about those things because they they need to know that history they need to know your past history to be able to move forward so I don't agree with like don't talk about exes and don't talk about past relationships just don't do it on the first date but like eventually like yeah you're gonna have to talk about it um I totally agree you have to it's a huge part of who you are it's a huge part of why you date the way you date and why you someone will open up slower or more quickly or is more comfortable doing something on x number date versus x number date because like the way we date is shaped by the way our relationships have unfolded in the past and on when we did let's get candid episode like that was one that we didn't get to but yeah I'm I'm all for like you have to talk about your past relationships with someone new because it's a huge part of who you are. And also it's a huge living part of the in Miami, I, I'm sure New York is like this living in Miami. You're probably going to run into a few of these people out. I'm just working on healing from the inside out and really just releasing that pain and judgment from my mom and accepting that she wasn't the mom that I wanted her to be and, and forgiving her for the things that she said that were hurtful, which there were many. Um, and just realizing like, I get to rebuild my relationship with my mom on my terms. I can set boundaries, which I'm going to have to do because I'm going to be living at home because Miami is too expensive and I'm going to moving back to Miami. Um, we have a much better relationship now, but there, that hurt is still there and it's still very present in my dating life. Um, when I, I do, I, I literally could be on top of a guy and like, having a great time and like I'll start overthinking it's like oh my god no like I can't do this we're we're still in the dating world for now well absolutely and even your ability to come back a year later and and talk through that experience and say like I'm sorry about this happened this is why it happened I think shows so much growth in your journey and I really admire and respect that thank you so much for being here and for opening up about all of this um there is so much more I want to talk about, but um, we'll close out this episode real quick. Where can everybody find you? And if they have had any similar experiences and, and want to reach out, is that all right with you? Yeah, absolutely. I know we could talk so much more and we'll definitely do a part two on my podcast. Maybe we'll do a part two here and talk more. Maybe once I'm in a relationship, who knows? Um, but yeah, everyone. And yeah, please reach out to me. Send me a DM chat with me join my geneva group and we can chat more there as well um but you can find me at kayla moran and at the let's get candid podcast and i look forward to chatting with you guys amazing thank you kayla and to everyone listening this has been unfiltered don't forget to send this episode to a friend who would benefit from hearing it and give a five-star rating and a review 